the Fertility Podcast. Welcome to episode 15 of the Fertility Podcast. If this is the first time you've downloaded the podcast, hello and welcome. There's loads of other episodes, so do feel free to go back and have a listen. They're not done in chronological order, but there is all sorts of interesting information. Uh, This podcast speaks to experts in the fertility field, as well as everyday people who have had challenges on their journey to start a family. And if that's why you're listening, I really hope that this is of interest to you. You can download from iTunes or Stitcher if you've come via the website, thefertilitypodcast.com you can subscribe here let me know of course what you think the last episode episode 14 was a chat with Sheila Lamb and she talked about going abroad for fertility treatment in this episode we're going to be speaking to Caroline Phillips who has set up a company where she acts as a facilitator for couples wanting to go abroad she deals with a whole range of different clinics all over the world and then we're going to be speaking to Dr Eric Hausman who is from the IVI clinic in Spain which is a country of interest especially because a lot of people in the UK seem to be going to Spain because there you get complete anonymity with regard to your donor. Interviews with fertility experts on the Fertility Podcast. So I'm now going to welcome to the Fertility Podcast Caroline Phillips who's the owner and founder of an organization uh, online called fertilityclinicsabroad.com. Caroline welcome to the Fertility Podcast. How are you? Great thank you. Well, I was really keen to find out more about the service that you provide because it does seem from research that's been done that there's an increase in the number of people that are traveling abroad. It's become much more popular. Would you say in the last decade or just in the last few years from what you've witnessed? Well, I couldn't really talk about the last decade, but certainly since um, I started, certainly there has been an increase in the media about going abroad and there's lots more blog posts and and people talking about it. So even if physical numbers, we don't know what they are, but in terms of the exposure that it's getting, yes, I think there is an increase. So despite it might be a country that people haven't been to, there's the language barrier, like so much to arrange with accommodation, the timings, the whole scan process with fertility treatment, that's not a deterrent. People are just willing to, I suppose, take that gamble because it seems that it's more cost effective. Yes, I mean, I guess perhaps before organisations like myself existed, there might have been more of a gamble about going abroad, but... And nowadays, clinics abroad are, are, are well versed in, in what people are looking for and, and how to care for them. So um, it's less of a gamble now, I guess. But yes, people are travelling because of um, the fact that the, the treatment can be cheaper. And um, as, as more and more companies like myself, for example, help people who are going abroad, then it means that they have more confidence in doing so. So more and more people will, will do it. There's- so much really good comprehensive information on the website and um, we'll put all the details on the show notes after after we've we've chatted one of the things that i was keen to talk about because you've had various guest bloggers who we've actually spoken to on the, on the podcast i know that infertility network uk did a survey a couple of years ago where they spoke to people about how they feel traveling overseas and you have blogs from the likes of kate bryan and susan seenan who have been on this podcast am i right in saying that it's success rates are higher and the whole issue with donor eggs being more available are all plus points for people going abroad. Yes, that's exactly it. Obviously, due to the donor anonymity in the UK, there is a perception that donors are not as as available as they are abroad. And in Europe, with the the laws being as they are, basically, um, we have a lot of young donors who come forward to donate. And as a result, their eggs will be that much 
terrible to see, but younger, and, and therefore the success rates are higher in donor egg treatment as a result. So yes, success rates are slightly higher due to, to the number of donors that are available. Because the regulations have changed more recently in the UK. You can go abroad and have a complete, complete amount of anonymity with regards to the donor. And in the UK, am I right in saying that once a child is 18, they can find out if they are from a donor egg? Do, do you think that that's having an impact as well? Definitely, there, there are certainly some patients who, who travel abroad purely for the, um, the, the fact that they can get anonymous donors. So there is obviously debate about what's best. Certainly, I know from, from speaking to some ladies who do want to go abroad, there is a percentage who want to go because of the anonymous donors abroad and um, the fact that the law has changed in the UK. So you work as a facilitator, basically providing a website that people can come and find all the information rather than having the direct client, like one-to-one, so to speak, contact. Do you think that the perception has changed? People are more willing to talk openly about going abroad for this kind of treatment. I mean, the whole infertility issue we know is still so taboo. But the fact that, you know, you, you've provided this service and you are acting as this facilitator, people are just more willing to do whatever they can, even if it means going to a foreign country. Yes, they've got much more information than they ever used to have, and particularly with all the online resources that there are, then they can make more informed choices. So, yeah, there's there's lots more people who are travelling uh, abroad, based having having got all the information they need um, and, and able to make a, a good decision about that. I want to just talk a little bit about the psychological benefits. Kate Bryan talked in her blog about this idea of having treatment away from home. And we did talk to a lady called Sheila Lamb on the podcast about her experience of having treatment in Spain. I mean, it can kind of be like a bit of a holiday in that you don't have to have everybody knowing your business. You can get yourself, you know, in a completely different mindset. Have you had any feedback from people about how much better it makes them feel doing it in a completely different setting? Speaking to clinics and the feedback they get from some of the, their, their patients is that, yeah, you know, they can make a holiday out, out of it. They can relax a little bit more because they're with their partner for all that period of time. And particularly if they go somewhere nice, you know, with nice weather, then they can they can actually relax more, is, is what I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it does help with the psychological aspects of it, I think. The other angle, of course, is that they're leaving the support network behind. Maybe the friends or close family members who know what they're doing, they don't have that sort of support right on hand, but... You know, you have to weigh up the benefits of going abroad. And with with the different clinics that you work with, um, I mean, I know you've got so much on your website from a list of the clinics to working out the... Um... The information that I do offer, I, I basically, I mean, I used to be a senior embryologist in the UK and I can understand the aspects that, well, from speaking to, to patients when I worked there, you know, as, a, as an embryologist, the kind of questions I was asked, this is the kind of information that I put on the site. Um, so not really psychological ben- um, aspects of it, but more the practicalities, um, because it's a sort of a minefield of what are the treatments available and what do the costs and what extras don't you know about. So that's the kind of information that I provide more than, than anything else. And the kind of clinics or the countries of the clinics, we've got Bulgaria, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Greece and Spain. How do you start those relationships? Are they, from your backgrounds, area, uh, countries that you know the, those clinics have got particularly good success rates and that's why you work with them? What, how did your selection process go? Well, initially when I started, I, I did a lot of research about where people were travelling and um, I noticed that the Czech Republic and obviously Spain were the most popular countries from the UK. So I actually went out to the Czech Republic and um, I visited some of the clinics and I, I must admit not all of them that are on my website I visited 
Um, but I, I went and spoke to a, a, a number of clinics and about the whole process of IVF and egg donation and also the same with Spain and quite a lot of information about that. And then obviously from that point onwards, other countries, like Greece was popular as well and Cyprus. So I kind of focused on the, the most popular countries really to, to put onto the website. Because I know in um, the the feature that or the blog that Susan's written um, for you, she makes the point of doing doing your homework. Which obviously, if you're going to go in for any kind of fertility treatment, even in the UK, you're going to do your homework. But um, the, the lengths that you've gone to, I think it's 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 really quite fascinating the amount of information that you've got there and and the whole cost calculator. Because do you know if people are literally doing it? Um, clinic by clinic if they're comparing the UK and whether it's Spain or Bulgaria, are you, do you get any of that kind of feedback? No, I don't. Um, the cost calculator is actually quite a new feature that I have on right. my website. Um, I'm hoping that people can actually download it eventually. I'll put that functionality on there and then they would have printed out copies of it. But yeah, it's, it's basically a quick quick method of just, you know, totting up what, what's, what costs what in which clinic and, and getting a rough idea of Cost because they can be quite enormously between countries and clinics and of course with the UK as well. And would you suggest that somebody used this and printed it out and took it to the clinic to say, well look, I've kind of got an idea of what I'm wanting to spend so that they're feeling like they're, they're in control because it can be such an unknown of what the figure could be. Yeah, I mean, certainly they could, they could mention that they've used it and, and this is a kind of rough cost and do they, do the clinics foresee anything else on top of yeah. that? But I mean, it really is a, a kind of, it's not a, the end result of, of the total cost. It's, it's, sure, it's a guide. Yeah, it's a guide, really, because there, there are going to be tests that, that are required that aren't that need to be added on. And but it's just a rough indication that, for example, some some people might go and, and have egg donation, and then they're recommended that their embryos proceed on to the blastocyst stage of development, which is the final stage before uh, implantation. Now that is usually can be an extra cost and. People who aren't really aware of that might not have added that in, but it can cost up to maybe 400 euros extra or, you know, to, 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 to move your embryos on to the final stage. And at that point, you might think, well, I'm, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to sort of say to the clinic, I don't want my, my embryos to develop further. I'll just tra- transfer them now. So basically, I try and add in all the costs I know about as a, a former embryologist. Well, because you'd hope that you'd go into this situation with almost money to spare. So if you've... Not, not that you're going to go in that you could go in with a budget and maybe not need to spend it all rather than feeling that if that is a question or if that is a situation that's posed that you do need to go to blastocyst, it's then not a stress because you want to try exactly. and keep us calm. So I guess it's, 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 it's forward planning, isn't it? With exactly, the yes. That's the benefit. All right, great. Well, look, Karen, I'm going to put all the information um, for your website, Fertility Clinics Abroad, on the show notes. It's been great talking to you. I know we can follow you on Twitter as well. Lots of really interesting information there. And, um, and it's just brilliant to know, I think, for peace of mind, that you've kind of already done the hard work as people are starting to think more about going abroad. And then um, we're seeing trends in all sorts, whether it's more single women who feel more comfortable going abroad or whether it's just couples that just prefer nobody to know their business. So, um Best of luck with moving it forward and lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much. Bye. Interviews with fertility experts.
on the Fertility Podcast. Eric Hausmann speaking here from Madrid. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. A specialist in charge of foreign patients uh, from one of the world's leading fertility clinics in Spain. So, Dr. Eric, welcome to the Fertility Podcast. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, I was keen to talk to you about a number of things. We've been talking on the Fertility Podcast in previous episodes about the increase in Brits going abroad for fertility treatment. And I know that as a clinic, IVI have done some research. Can you just talk to me a bit about the Spanish laws regarding anonymity? Because there's been a change in the UK. So just explain to me how it stands with Spanish law. Uh, current situation, in fact, is very different between the UK and Spain in terms of uh, anonymity of donations, whether it's about sperm or egg donation. In both cases, as yourself told it before, in Spain it's completely anonymous, which means that neither the donor gets, of course, any information about the people to whom he or she donated their uh, sperm or eggs, nor does any uh, personally identifiable information arrive to the patients about their respective donors. However, of course, a couple of details are disclosed to the patients that might be clinically important for them. One of them is the age. The age, for example, is uh, pretty much important for patients to know when they undergo an egg donation treatment as there are pregnancy. There are several tests to the pregnancy, especially at the end of the first trimester, that serve for a risk assessment of certain chromosomal abnormalities, which take into account maternal age. And since usually there is a considerable difference in ages between the age of patients and their respective donors, if these patients then getting pregnant were to disclose to their gynecologist taken into account for this risk assessment, it would falsely give an elevated risk of certain uh, abnormalities. This is the reason why we disclose the age of our donors. In fact, egg donors must be uh, between 18 and 35 years of age mean age of our recipients is higher than that. I would assume if you're coming to a foreign clinic for either egg or sperm donation, you'd you'd hope that the donor is going to be significantly younger, especially as we'll talk later, as I know that there are an increase of of single women who possibly are at the later age of their their fertile age. But it's, it's interesting that there is a pressure with this change, with the anonymity, because now in the UK, which I didn't realise until you guys put out this information, there is now a change in the law that both donor and uh, donor-created offspring have the right to be contacted. So have you found that people are feeling that pressure because they don't know if the person might pop up later in life and that's why they come to you? I think this is a very important reason why people from the UK do come to Spain. Um, Of course, uh, there is no single uh, solution, uh, just as um, uh, people, patients, women, men, couples are very, very different. So just as there are definitely patients who do prefer prefer non-anonymity, that they or then later their offspring have the possibility to get the inform- to get some information or even get in touch, get in contact with the donors. So just as well as there are couples uh, like this, there is a very 
high percentage of people who do prefer not to know uh, who their donor was. These people are those that come to Spain, for example, for information treatment. Now, I know that IVR, you have uh, a huge bank of donors, so you can really match all ethnicities. Do you think that in Spain, the perception of donors as being a donor is less taboo maybe than in the UK? That's why you, you're able to have such a, a huge bank. I think that this is absolutely correct. There is, a, in fact, a very long-standing tradition in Spain of donating, donating organs, uh, donating tissues. In fact, uh, Spain uh, is Europe's number one country in terms of these kinds of donations too. So this is definitely something to do also with uh, cultural background, tradition too. And of course, just as this kind of donation is absolutely not a taboo, this is very probably the most important reason why neither sperm nor uh, egg donation is absolutely regarded as a taboo in this country. It's really encouraging to hear that, you know, there is that kind of perception and it'd be interesting to see whether there is the change because I think there's definitely started to be a change in the UK as it becomes more acceptable and people are talking about it more. You have got stats showing that there's an increase or a high number of British women, especially of, of single women in particular, coming to your clinic because of this huge bank. Do you think... I think this is a very important aspect too, which may be very appealing to uh, donors, not only to single women, of course, but especially, that's correct. Uh, in fact, since Group of IVI has the largest number of clinics in Spain and also abroad, that the highest percentage of fertility treatments uh, in Spain is done uh, by the clinics of IVI. This, of course, also means that, accordingly, uh, the number of our donors uh, throughout the country is the highest. And also, we also share uh, a central bank, bank, which means that in case, for any reason, in a certain moment, one of our clinics cannot offer eggs of, of a donor with certain physical characteristics, then we can have access to the shared egg bank of uh, our sister clinics. For an anonymous donation, she can be absolutely sure that uh, her offspring, even in 18 years, will not have any possibility to contact the donor. I think without going into too much detail as to whether that's right or wrong, I just think it's a uh, it's one th- less thing to worry about when you are faced with, with, with going abroad for treatment. So it's, it's, I think it's really interesting that you have seen a change in the, in the kind of numbers of people coming to you. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about with regards to IVI is there's an interesting number of firsts that the clinics have, have achieved. Um, now, I know that you uh, have managed to overcome kind of issues that could affect uh, the embryos, such as cystic fibrosis or, or different kind of spinal muscular issues. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, there are basically two issues. Um, one of them is that patients can um, come to our clinics and uh, uh, have specific uh, test, genetic tests uh, done either in them or asking us to uh, perform it in their donors in order to avoid the occurrence of uh, so-called autosomal recessive, the inherited diseases. And, uh, in fact, 
one of them, well, in fact, the most frequent one of them is cystic fibrosis. Uh, the other op- opportunity, the other option is to uh, create basically a complete uh, genetic map of uh, uh, the partner involved, genetically involved in the process, which in the case of couple, in the case of agglomeration, it would, it would be uh, the male partner, and in the case of uh, single woman uh, with egg and sperm donation, it would be to both, both donors. So there is a possibility to have a so-called genetic compatibility test performed, which uh, screens uh, a huge number of these inherited diseases basically by mapping one of the partners and then mapping also the other partner and at the process of matching between the donor and recipient or well, um, the male partner and the egg donor or between both donors, if that's the case, uh, the system, the matching system then uh, avoids uh, that any overlapping mutations, overlapping alterations in the genetic material are uh, uh, would be present. Of course, there is no test and there will never be any test that will screen and avoid um, 100% of all the diseases. This is what we uh, use uh, actually currently is uh, the screening, the compatibility genetic screen that tests the highest number of diseases. It's about 600 by uh, checking 549 genes. Wow. It seems like there's much more investment into this kind of testing and, and ability to screen and, and then enable families, you know, to still conceive, whether it's been, like we just mentioned, cystic fibrosis, or I know that there's been um, cancer patients who have successfully fallen pregnant. Is, is, is Spain leading the way with this? Definitely, yes. It is also due to the quite liberal legislation and the high number of treatments is also due, for example, to the question, going back to anonymity, because this way we have a lot of patients even coming from abroad that uh, uh, wish to do treatments with us. And of course, all treatments help us. I'm not only talking about IBI, but uh, about uh, fertility clinics in Spain help us gather a huge uh, amount of experience that is then translated into uh, future research and development of our techniques. It's fascinating stuff. What's the most common concern people have coming to Spain? People who have already undergone treatment, but in their home country, sometimes it's quite hard for them to believe that the only time point at which next time they need to come back to the clinic is on the day of the embryo transfer. So basically, a single woman, for example, comes for a first visit, take their history, we explain them details about the treatment, economical and logistic details, and then with all the instructions, they can fly back to their home country. And since all the preparation can be perfectly done without the need to come here, because the preparation in fact is quite, uh, for example, in the case of donations, very easy with tablets or patches, and just uh, one or two ultrasound exams, and also the biological part, the egg donation, the use of uh, donor sperm, for example. For example, so all this can be done here in their absence. So the next point is simply one day, uh, on uh, which is the day of embryo transfer, 
And if they're very busy, they can even uh, come with a morning flight and fly back with an evening flight. Of course, if they can, it's also it's always better if they don't need to rush back to the airport, but can uh, spend at least a night in Madrid. So just to make it clear, people would go to a, a satellite clinic, would they, in the UK, for any scans that they need that would be working with you guys? Absolutely. Of course, if the patient already comes with a recommendation of uh, their clinic, usually what happens is that we give a feedback to their clinic. Uh, it's not absolutely not a problem for us uh, if the patient originally does not have, let's say, the back, the background of a fertility clinic. Okay. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you. And really, I think if, if there's any kind of questions as far as um, how it all works, we can point people to your website. There's, there's lots of information on it. But I think the, the whole change of the anonymity and, and the fact that it's left people feeling less pressured can only be a good thing if it means that they can come with a much more positive mindset to, to have their treatment with you guys. I'm also uh, happy to see that patients return after their first visit with the feeling that this is a reassuring rather than a frightening thing for, for them. Dr. Eric Hausman, thank you for your time. It's been good talking to you. Thank you, too. It was a pleasure. So I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Don't forget that uh, you can subscribe via iTunes. Uh, have a look at the show notes. All the links to Caroline and to Eric are going to be there with regards to their companies and how you can find out more information. Spread the word. And if you would like to get in touch with me, just email stories at thefertilitypodcast.com. The Fertility Podcast.